0: welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about a case study of first home buyers. We want to show you how it is achievable, even in some hard circumstances. Now, this article came across my eyes as I was scrolling through stuff, and I read it with real interest because the headline was this, minimum wage, no help on the ladder at 25. Here's how they did it. And so I devoured this article and thought, this is great. We've got to talk about it on the podcast. And then I get to the office... And I see Andrew sent it to me as well, so I knew it was going to be a really interesting one because the two people we're going to talk about today are really courageous in sharing their story to show some of the sacrifices they had to do and undertake in order to be able to purchase their first home. And this is incredibly admirable and is a positive story that we should be talking about. So, Andrew, walk us through the details of this.
1: Yeah, sure. So, the interesting part about this is that these guys had no assistance, and they're really kind of starting out careers in pretty much minimum wage, it says here. So so they work in manufacturing for not much more than minimum wage. And they're both working, but they didn't have any savings beforehand. One of the key things is they didn't have any help from mum and dad. And actually, that was quite interesting because Ed posted something on our LinkedIn the other day talking about the bank of mum and dad. Boy, did he get a lot of hate mail after that. Lots of people whose uh, parents weren't happy to help them out and parents who weren't happy to help their kids out.
0: Or people misunderstanding it as well, thinking that if you use the bank of mummy and dad, your parents own the house when that's actually not the case. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And look, we only make these suggestions because we know that getting into a first home, it can be quite tricky. And often parents do have that magical thing called usable equity, which will help you get there faster. And if it's presented right, then they're much more likely to say, yeah, well, that doesn't affect us, let's do it. And that's why we put that out there. But that's just one of many things that people can do. So first-time buying. By Courtney Morrison never imagined she could buy a first home. Her mum never owned one. And so it never occurred to her that at the age of 24, she could be a proud homeowner. And so about two years into her relationship with her now husband, Ben, who's 27, they used their KiwiSaver and the First Home Buyers Grant to be able to form their deposit. So the interesting thing there is Not to say that KiwiSaver isn't savings, but they haven't used any of their actual savings over and above their KiwiSaver. What they did do, though, is they contributed to KiwiSaver at the maximum rate they could, which is 8%. Now, I'm sure that probably given their jobs and the fact that most people only get a 3% contribution from their employer – that gives them a total of 11% of money going in there, plus the government amount and any growth that they get in their product. Now, their parents couldn't help. Mason's parents were unwell and were not in a financial position to help. And as Courtney mentioned, her mum doesn't actually have a house. And, and Mason's comment was, well, that's fair enough. Let's do it ourselves." And actually, one of the comments that they make is that this has been so rewarding to actually be able to do it themselves. And it's made the accomplishment even more special. So Mason and sister had bought a house about five years ago and suggested that they link up with a mortgage broker. That was an apt choice of words because it was Mortgage Link in Napier where they're based and that helped guide them through the process. One of the other interesting things that they comment about not knowing anything and having never done this before, they didn't even know they needed a lawyer to help them with the conveyancing in this. So through their mortgage broker, they were able to get a lot of guidance through what they describe as a very stressful process. Process and it is stressful, particularly when you've got an emotionally vested purchase like buying your first house. One of the cool things they started listening to a podcast, very smart people called First Rung, which I don't know if that's a New Zealand podcast. Ed, do you know? I believe that's actually
0: Stuff's one. Is that correct?
1: Oh, it may, may very well be. It's a podcast for first home buyers, and because they didn't have this assistance, and again, because you know the parents weren't maybe as financially literate as some parents, particularly because her parents haven't bought a house, they were able to get this information through other sources and his sister. And so anyway, they didn't know what they were doing. So they went to a broker and managed to get a pre-approval. Over five years of contributing to KiwiSaver, they each had $26,000 in their KiwiSaver. But of course, remember, you can't withdraw the initial $1,000 that the government put in as the kickstart. So they had $25,000 in total. Plus, if they purchased under $400,000, which is the Cap for an existing home in Napier, that meant that they could purchase a property up to four hundred thousand, get ten thousand from the government over and above their KiwiSaver.
0: That's great. So they'd have about a sixty thousand dollars deposit in total there. Now, what's not quite clear from the article, but we can make some assumptions, is they talk about how their KiwiSaver balances had dropped by about. 5K because of COVID and COVID hitting the share market. So they would have probably been using either a 10 or a 15% deposit in order to be able to secure this property for, and I believe it was $400,000 in the end. Correct. And so not only that,
1: but due to COVID, they both had to take a pay cut. And so they were down 20% on their normal wages, but this didn't deter them. So they kept on looking. And obviously in that price bracket in a place like Napier, it can be very hard to find a deal. But they managed to eventually find a one-bedroom detached home in great condition that they could afford. Now, obviously, there were other people competing for this one. There were two other offers that they were competing with, and they managed to get it paying every last cent that they were able to spend. And look, they do make the comment that a one-bedroom house is good. It's not going to be the long-term solution for them because they're probably going to have kids, and they're going to need more space for when relatives come and stay. But this is a first house, not a forever house, and they've ended up paying $5 less on their mortgage, which will be P&I, than what they were paying in rent, which was $320 a week.
0: The key thing I want to remind everybody here as well, and this is a very important point when thinking about first-home buyers accessing the market, is they did not purchase at the median house price. Not just because the median house price in the Hawke's Bay, which is currently sitting at $585,000, is well above the first-home grant cap, which is $400,000 for an existing home, but also first-home buyers don't need to buy the median house, which might be a three-bedroom standalone property with a big backyard. A one-bedroom detached house or a one-bedroom townhouse might be perfectly suitable for a first-home buyer, and that is the key thing. First-home buyers should buy first homes or products or houses that have been built as first homes, not necessarily those properties that are going to be their forever home. So in this case, if they'd bought it $400,000, that is 31.6% under the median house price in Hawke's Bay. And in fact, the median house price in Napier might even be higher than that, given how large the Hawkes Bay area is. And so they might have been purchasing at 40% under the median house value in their city. I just don't have the exact numbers to hand. And that's important to remember as well. So if you're in Auckland, don't be looking at something that's $950,000. No, or don't be setting that as the mark of what you should be aiming for unless you've got the finances in order to be able to do that. But if you're starting out and formulating a plan, Aim for something that's at those first home caps. So 650 new or 600 existing in those instances.
1: And I thought I'd do some numbers around first home buyers making a purchase. If they weren't going to use genuine savings, they were going to use KiwiSaver and going to try and qualify for that grant. Now, obviously, there's criteria around the grant, around the purchase price, but also your income. So as a couple, you have to earn under $130,000 for last year and as an individual it's 85,000. So what I've done is I've worked on 110. So I've said that okay, this couple might earn 50 and 60 grand each and so therefore you've got 110 collectively and they're going to buy at 600 purchase price for Auckland or under 500 for any of the other major cities and 400 for some of the smaller regions. And so they're going to get $10,000 as the first home buyers grant if they qualify for that. I making contributions for five years, which I'll assume if they've got a little bit in there. And I've started at ground zero, even though they would have to have been in it for a little while, even if their contributions were nominal over those couple of years. Now, if they put 8% in which is great because it's locked up, you're not tempted to go and buy a car instead because you can't find a house. That works out to be twelve thousand one hundred dollars per year that's going in when you factor in the eight percent of the income and the three percent from the employer, so the minimum that the employer's required. And I've taken out the government amount, which is five hundred dollars give or take each, so a thousand dollars combined. So I've taken that out and assumed that maybe that kind of offsets the fees that you incur. And I've worked on no growth on the product just to make it really, really conservative. So in Auckland to get your ten percent Deposit. You need to be doing that for another four years uh, to get you up to sixty thousand dollars. If you're buying in Christchurch, Wellington, etc., it's three and a third year. And if you're buying in some of those smaller regions like Napier, then it's two and a half years. So completely achievable if you put your heads together, and this isn't even considering things like bank of mum and dad, sale of an asset. You can use your extra money that you might have been able to afford to save to get rid of those personal debts, the gem visa, the personal credit card, a little bit left on your student loan, etc. to get you in the best position. It doesn't take long, it just takes sacrifices.
0: And the main thing we want to say here as well, is that it is very achievable for 1st home buyers in order to be able to buy something, to buy something to live in. It may not be your dream house, it certainly won't be your forever house, but you can get your first step on the ladder. And I hope that these sorts of podcasts that we do around 1st home buyers give you the motivation to either motivate yourself to do something or a 1st home buyer that you know to do something.
1: And the reason that's important to get a foot on that rung is that if that couple gets 5% growth on that $400,000 asset in the next 12 months, that's $20,000. $20,000 is not what they're saving. So that's great. They're being able to do that and live in a house that's now theirs. And the best news of the whole article is that they're now able to buy a kitten, which I quite like.
0: (laughs) And the other thing that's really important to think about is if you get an extra $20,000 worth of growth within that property, and let's say I realise that there are sale fees when you sell your property, but $20,000 worth of growth, net of sale fees for instance, is an extra $100,000 worth of purchasing power. So if you stay in that property for three or four years and you get some good growth, and maybe it's gone up by 100K or maybe it's gone up by 50K, that 50K, when you take it to the bank, is an extra $250,000 that you can spend on a house. That's how you start to get into bigger properties, into homes that are potentially more suitable as your forever home. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start buying some assets That's what the show is essentially about. Buy some assets that are going to increase in value so that you're able to get into a better financial position. Now, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really helps us get the message out to more people. And hey, speaking of assets, give us a text. Now, what has that got to do with assets? Our number, 5522. If you translate that into letters, you get jk a-A, 5522, J-K-A-A. What does that stand for? Just keep acquiring assets. So give us a text with a podcast topic or about your story about how you're trying to keep acquiring assets or whatever. We want to hear from you. We want to make this a two-way conversation. Give us a text. Andrew and I will text you back. So text us at 5522. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.